0: Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com.
1: Oh God, you're so good. God, we thank you tonight for the privilege of coming before you in worship, Lord God. For the privilege of honoring you with our finances as an expression of our worship. And God, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here tonight in our midst, that you have once again blessed us with your presence. And God, tonight that your word would be anointed to accomplish that which you want it to accomplish, that it would touch the hearts of your people as you purpose, God. Oh, Jesus, we thank you for that. In your precious name, amen. Hallelujah. God is so good. I know I sound like a broken record. I think I say that every time I get up here. But he is. And, and we can't say it enough. We can't believe it enough. And sometimes we have to say it often to remind us that he's good. Because we live in a world that is affected by sin. And things happen that sometimes seem to fly in the face of the goodness of God. And we're unsure if he's good because we sometimes, and some of us are, um, dare I say, religious enough that we wouldn't say it out loud. Well, if God is so good, why? But we do ponder it in our hearts at times. If we're honest, we we will admit that that thought comes to us when circumstances don't seem to line up with a good God. And so tonight I wanna talk about peace. And you know, when we say that word, there's lots of different things that come to our minds. And I was thinking about it today. I was thinking, Lord, you know, when I say the word peace, different things are gonna come up in different people's minds. Some of us look back on the 70s, and there was peace and just free love and hippie peace. And, you know, there was just everyone was, everyone was great and you could do whatever you wanted and everybody loved freely and, and they just brought peace. And they were anti-war and, and it, make love, not war. And everything was about peace. Peace is so wonderful. But then there are those that think that the only way you have peace is through war because you have to establish territory. And so, therefore, peace comes about through war. And there are those that think that peace is the absence of war and there should not be war. For some of us, peace is just the thought that I wish everybody in my household would get along and bring a little peace in my living situation. Some of us think of peace as a place we go. One of my most favorite places to be is the the shore of the ocean, the beach. And so I think when I picture myself there, I feel very peaceful, I feel tranquility. There are so many different ways that we define peace. And many times those definitions change based on our life circumstances, based on what we're dealing with, based on who we're dealing with. You know, we may be thinking peace would be for so-and-so to be with me right now. And others of us think peace would be if so-and-so would just go away right now. There are so many different thoughts on what peace actually looks like. But I am telling you, God has a different definition for peace. Amen. So there's a man, and uh, when I read this, I thought, I think I've heard this before, but this is crazy. So there was a man named Albert Nobel, and his legacy is the Nobel Peace Prize. And however you feel about that particular um, institution and those that receive the Peace Prize, that's not even the issue. The issue is, it is a legacy of the man who had an idea of what peace should look like. And he left his vast wealth to honor people who made a difference in the world, who somehow improved the world, who somehow made a difference, who somehow affected peace in our society. The irony about Albert Nobel is he made his money inventing things that brought anything but peace. Albert Nobel is known for dynamite, blasting caps, explosives, and munitions. Not things that we would generally associate with peace. But in his mind, and here's how sometimes the human mind really does need to be regenerated by God. In his mind, what he wanted to happen from those things that he invented is he wanted two warring factions to come together, use those tools of peace against one another, completely annihilate each other in a horrifically short amount of time. And then the world in absolute horror would gasp and say, no more war. We can't do this anymore. And we would all just be full of peace. Now, when you say, when I say that out loud, you think that is really nuts that he would think that, but it just goes to show that our idea of peace and God's idea of peace are very different. And so Albert Nobel in his later years, he actually, one of his brothers was killed in an explosion in one of his munition factories. And so there was a lot of tragedy and a lot of death and a lot of not peace brought about because of Albert Nobel's inventions. And so it doesn't say, I looked it up, there's no quote of him saying, I wanna make up for my, my bad decisions. There's nothing that says that. But we can speculate that he realized that his idea of how peace was gonna come about didn't work out so well. And he left his money as ill-gotten as it was, he left it to try to leave peace on the earth, to at least honor those that were trying to bring peace on the earth. But God's idea of peace is very different than ours. In John 14, 27, it says, Peace I leave with you my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your heart not be be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So again, the world's misguided idea of peace is just that, it's misguided. And one of the things church that we have to learn to do is stop looking to the world for the answers to the things that wreck us and that cause us pain and sorrow because we we have to look to God. He is the only source of perfect peace. He is the only source of perfect anything. And without him we will not live in perfect harmony. We cannot without him. There is a Hebrew word in the Old Testament and it is called shalom. You may have heard it. It means so much more than peace. It does mean peace, but it means so much more than that. And this is more the connotation of peace that God has for us. It means things like wholeness and completeness and soundness. The Hebrew letters that spell shalom, uh, Hebrew, reading from right to left, looks kind of like W I W L I O. But those are Hebrew words. And the the interesting thing about the Hebrew language is while those are letters, they are actually symbols. They each stand for something. But basically, the connotation of shalom is the destroyer of the one who brings chaos. So whatever brings chaos into our lives, the peace that God intended, shalom, destroys it. Nothing in this world will destroy the chaos, but God will destroy the chaos. The biblical scholar, Walter Brueggemann, he said, Shalom is God's dream for the world. He said, it's a wonderful word. Shalom, Peace, wholeness, harmony, well being, healing, prosperity. Again, we hear those words and we think what that looks like, we think we know. But sometimes we don't know because again, we're looking to the world. We're looking to the world's prosperity. We're looking to the world's well-being, We're looking to the world's harmony. And it doesn't come without God, church. There may be times in our lives where there's relative peace. There may be times in our lives where there's relative wholeness or healing or oneness or soundness or completeness, but it will never be complete without God ever. It cannot be. Those of you in here that don't know Jesus as your savior, you know deep within you that you need God. He made us to need him. Brueggemann also said that shalom points to a world in which nothing is missing, nothing is broken. Think about that concept. Nothing missing nothing broken. That is God's perfect plan for us. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Again, not the things that we think we need, not the things that we necessarily think need to be fixed, but the things that God says we need. Because who better than the one who made us, who better knows what we need? Who better knows what nothing missing and nothing broken looks like We have got to learn to look toward God for the answers to the things that we face in our lives. Think about creation. When God spoke all the things into existence each day creating new things and each day he said it's good. He looked at it and he said it's good. And when he created man and woman and he said it's very good and he looked at his creation and it was perfect. He planted this incredible garden for mankind to cultivate. And he told man to cultivate the garden, have dominion over all the animals and multiply and be fruitful. So I don't have chapter and verse for this, just knowing the nature of God, knowing the story of creation. What I believe God's purpose was, was that he planted the garden. Then he put man and woman in the garden. He said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. You're gonna have children. And you and those children are gonna cultivate this garden. You're gonna have dominion and it's going to grow and multiply as you grow and multiply. And you are going to create this perfect community that I have given you. The problem with the situation was God wants us to serve him. And he wants us to choose him. But the only way we can choose him is if we can not choose him. Otherwise, it's not a choice. So he couldn't say, okay, here's this wonderful world I've made for you, and I want you to choose me, and there not be any other choice. Then it's not a choice. This is it. This is all you get. And so he had to put that tree in the garden. There have been so many times I've heard so many people say, why did he do that? Because he wanted us to choose him of our own free will. And we didn't. We chose sin. We chose rebellion. And so because of that, sin entered. God created a perfect garden, a perfect earth, a perfect shalom with him, with others, and with creation. It was absolutely perfection. But sin came in and destroyed our shalom. And sin, so many times we think, you know, we think of like the little the little underwood deviled ham character in this, you know, and we have to choose between the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other. And, you know, well, this is bad and this is good. Sin is not just doing bad. Sin is not just making bad choices. Sin is not just mistakes. Sin is anti-shalom. It is the opposite of peace with God. And so when sin entered the earth, immediately death And destruction entered. And immediately the effects of sin began to destroy the shalom that God had given us. It breaks the connection. Sin breaks the connection between us and a righteous God. And the will he has for creatures who were created in his image. To walk in his moral likeness. Sin entered and broke that communion with God. But God did not leave us without hope. Thank you, Jesus. He had a plan before the foundations of the earth. Just because God knew what we were going to do didn't mean it's what he wanted us to do. God wanted us to choose righteousness. I've heard it said that um, God wanted us to sin so that he could send Jesus to show us how much he loved us. I'm sorry. You will not convince me that that is good gospel. I do not believe that God, it was his will for us to go through this. I believe it was his will for us to live in perfection. And if he wanted to show us how much Jesus loved us, he could have shown us a video of the crucifixion and said, this is what he was willing to do for you. But because you chose righteousness, he didn't have to. But because we chose sin, Jesus had to die. There had to be a perfect sacrifice. And throughout the Old Testament, the people of Israel made animal sacrifices because the shedding of blood was necessary, but it was a temporary thing. It never fully washed away sin. And so the shalom was not restored. The shalom was still broken. The 23rd Psalm says, he is my shepherd. I shall not want in the presence of my enemies. See, that is the God that we serve. Even in the midst of shalom breaking sin, anti-shalom sin, he still says, I am for you. I am with you. I will not leave you. I am your God. He is such a good God, church. He loves us. Even when we were in our worst state, he loved us enough to die for us. Oh, Jesus. Shalom is restored through Jesus. Jesus is our shalom. Our enemy fights our peace in every area of our lives. Why? Because he knows it's God's perfect plan for us. He knows what it will do for us. He knows how much it will bless us. He knows what it means to us. He knows that sin is anti shalom. And he knows that peace is perfection with God. And so he fights it in every area of our lives. So when I was working on this sermon, I got a phone call. And wow, did it rob my peace? And I was in turmoil, I was tormented. And I I was just like, well, I I, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. I, I can't do this, God. And that still small voice, the gracious Holy Spirit, instead of wrapping me across the knuckles and saying, hello, stupid. Do you not see what's going on here? That is not the heart of God. He said to me, don't you see this for what it is? It is an assault of the enemy to come against the word that I've put in your heart. And I mean, duh, but it dawned on me, this is the devil trying to take the rug out from under me. Doesn't he do that on a regular basis? God gives us such wonderful gifts. He gives us the gift of worship in song and song and praise and all of that. And yet our minds will be going in all different directions during the worship service. Why? Because the enemy wants to get our focus off of the things of God. God says to give and he'll give back. He will bless us abundantly above, beyond, whatever we can ask or think. And then what happens? All of a sudden, boom, we've got a financial crisis. And it's like, God, I can't afford to give. And God says, yes, you can. You can't afford not to give. And he challenges us to give even though it's difficult. Why? because it is his way. And many times his ways are very different than our ways. Our minds do not comprehend what God is saying to us when we're functioning in the natural realm. We cannot understand God if we look at things through the filter of the world because everything will tell us that God is not good. Everything will tell us that God does not provide. Everything will tell us that we have to fix this situation because no one else can. And it is a lie from the pits of hell. God calls us to walk in shalom through fellowship with him. The the breakage, the brokenness has been restored. Jesus has bridged the gap by dying on the cross for us and making a way where there seemed to be no way. And the enemy fights that all the time because he knows that when we are walking in perfect shalom through the blood of Jesus, that we are a powerful force against his kingdom. And he hates us because he will never have that shalom. And so he hates us and he hates God even more. And if he can get to God through us, that is what he will do. Why? Because we are what God loves more than anything. He demonstrated that to us, how much he loves us. And so our enemy is relentless. But, church, greater's he that's in you than he that's in the world. So, our minds are the battlefield. That is generally where Pastor Alex mentioned it this weekend, talking about our minds and the strongholds that happen in our minds and the things that we battle in our minds. That is so often where we actually lose the battle is in our minds. And if instead of taking those thoughts and allowing them to torment us, if instead of doing that, we would focus on the goodness of God, we would focus on the shalom peace that Jesus paid for, that he bought back for us, even though we sold it, he bought it back for us. And if we will focus on that, we will walk in the victory that is already ours. Amen. When we are dealing with situations in our life that seem so overwhelming that we just don't know what to do, it's really easy to try to fix it in the natural because, it's, because it feels like that's all we have control of. And sometimes it may be all we have control of. Sometimes we may not even have control there. But when we allow God to be who he is, he is the shalom restoring God who loves us with an everlasting love above and beyond anything that we could ever think or ask, far and above anything that we can imagine. If we will allow him to be that, he will bring incredible peace into our lives. Wholeness, completeness, mind, body, soul, spirit, in every way, shape, and form. Shalom transcends the situations and the flaws of our own personal lives because it does not come from us. We are imperfect. Perfect shalom cannot come from inside of us. It has to come from God. We are not in a position to attain our own shalom. Yet God promises Wholeness, completeness, soundness, health, safety, perfect shalom to those who will look to Him. When we fix our minds on Him, and when the tormentor brings the torment, and we say, you know what, I refuse to give in to this no matter how much of a battle it is. And sometimes there's a scripture that talks about that we're we're praying in the spirit with groanings that can't be uttered. Have you ever been there? To where you're so overwhelmed by a situation, you don't even know the words to pray. And God says, I hear your heart. Sometimes all you can do is say Jesus. There have been times in my life when all I could do was say Jesus through the retching sobs of whatever life was throwing. I said the name of Jesus. He is our perfect shalom. He loves us with an everlasting love. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. The interesting thing about that passage, you see how perfect peace, both of those are underlined, Actually, both of those words are shalom. Yeah. He will keep him in shalom, shalom, whose mind is stayed on you Amen. because he trusts in you. He will give us perfect peace, shalom, shalom, perfection, if we will keep our minds on him. Amen. That is what he asks us to do. He asks us to keep our minds focused on him. Isaiah 9, 6 It prophesies our shalom, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. God, everlasting father, prince of peace, prince of shalom, that is ours, church, and we do not have to settle for anything less than perfect shalom relationship with God, each other, and even in our own selves. We have been fully reconciled through the price that Jesus paid, and we do not have to settle for anything less. Isaiah 53.5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. That is our heritage, church. It's not anything we could do in and of ourselves, but it's from a God who loves us so much that he is willing to give back what we gave away. We sold it. We gave it away. And he said, I love you so much. And I know that this is what you need, that I will pay the price myself to get this back for you. Why do we think that a God that would do this is mad at us when we aren't measuring up? When we mess up and we do things wrong and we break communion with God because of sin, why do we think that this God who loves us enough to do this for us is mad at us and is gonna sever because we don't measure up? Why do we think that? In John 17, Jesus is praying. He is getting ready to be crucified. He knows that he is facing a horrible death but he knows it's necessary for us and he loves us enough to do it. And in the midst of facing that horror, he prays for us. And he says many things, but one of them, one of the things he says is, Father, make them one as we are one. That is part of our perfect shalom. Part of our sozo is the restoration of relationships here amongst ourselves. He wants us to walk in perfect love with one another. In Romans 5.8 it says but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. Church If he loved us then, he loves us now. If he loved us when we were still sinners, when our iniquities separated us from him, then he loves us now. When we have surrendered ourselves to him, when we walk in the fullness of Christ, when we desire to live in communion with him, if he loved us then, he loves us now. And the enemy of our souls wars against that perfect communion that we can have with God. The next slide going on, it says, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Amen. There is not a person in this place that doesn't that can't have that. I think I maybe said the wrong words. <laughs> and what I want to do tonight, it's early. I did that on purpose because I wanted us to have a chance to just transform our minds by the renewing that comes through worship. Tonight, many of you during worship, you were re- renewed and restored and refreshed, but some of you were tormented. By the things of the world that that's going on in your life, and so what I'd like to ask you to do, if you want to stay seated, that's fine. But if you would like to stand, I, I, and some of you, if you would like to come to the altar, I want to open the altar where you can just come and sing this song and surrender your heart and your mind to the perfect Sozo. Relationship that God has paid for again, He's given it back to you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead.
0: Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. don't what oh, tomorrow Jesus. will bring. Yes, oh, Jesus. But I'm no He. i oh. Oh, I your mind be the
1: You are defeated, and we declare you defeated. You have no room in this place. God, we thank you that we have established something in this place tonight. God, help us to go from this place in the confidence that you give us because of the price that you paid. Not a confidence in ourselves, not a confidence in our abilities, but a confidence in who you are in how much you love us, God, that we would walk in the victory that you have already paid for for us, God. I declare it in Jesus' name. I declare it over your people in Jesus' name. God, we thank you for your peace in our lives, for your wholeness, for your healing, for your restoration, God. You are a good God. Oh, help us to walk in that knowledge, God, every day of our lives. That we would walk in the knowledge of your goodness. That we would walk in the peace that comes through your shalom. Saved, healed, and delivered because of what you did, Jesus. We are saved. We are saved from the curse of sin and death. We are healed from all things, all torment, all brokenness in our bodies and our minds. We are healed by the stripes you bore on your back. And we are delivered from from the wiles of the enemy. From the curse that comes because of sin. We are delivered because of who you are. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We declare it, God. Help us to walk in it. Help us to walk with the knowledge. Help us to walk in that knowledge, Lord Jesus. And we glorify your
0: listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.